in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone, and with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Andy <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, Hart! <laughs> oh, it's it's that wily, evil little dog from Dick Dastardly's dog. What's his name? Uh, Mutsley. Mutsley. Mutley. Mutley. Musky. Musky boy. Wacky races. Welcome to Mr. Booker's wacky, wacky races. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, if I was in a wacky race, man, I could think of some crazy vehicles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have you ever thought of this art? What's that? Uh, what if there was like some sort of uh, lighter than air craft mm-hmm. that floats on the breeze? Okay. But is invisible. <laughs> like you okay, can't well, see it. I'm thinking like something like a nah. blimp. Uh, but I don't know. I think the Pink Panther and the other guy would have some problems. Who runs the wacky race? Uh, I don't think Pink Panther was involved. No, in, he definitely was. In the wacky race, he was one of the commentators. Uh, are you thinking of Snagglepuss? Oh fuck! It is Snaggle. Exit stage left. <laughs> and then I would get pulled off stage. There were Andy- two. There were two anthropomorphic cats that were in the Hanna Barbera universe. They were. Uh, there was Cool Cat, there was. who wore a vest and had a hat. Right. Uh, and then there was Snagglepuss. And then there was your alter ego, Captain Caveman. <laughs> yeah. You. I'm a real knuckle dragger. <laughs> Andy, funny you bring that up. What? Maybe you Wacky didn't races? realize the blimp idea because today's topic, Andy, is the ghost blimp. Whoa, ghost blimp? That's right. Wow. I've only ever heard of ghost blimpy. That's where I went to a gas station and I thought they would have sandwiches, but they didn't. Uh, I thought you meant the Pac-Man guy. Is his name Blimpy? Sure. Uh, I think there was, it was Inky. Blinky. Blinky, Winky, and Nod. <laughs> I think are the names of the ghosts. <laughs> and also the Teletubbies. Um, Andy, today's topic is a history mystery. And you, true lore master OG beefers, might know that we covered this exact same topic with our friends... Over at Hysteria 51, Hysteria Nation listeners who also listen to this show. Yeah, this is one, this is one, this is for the true fans. That's right. Who are, who love the entire Mr. Bunker's uh, expanded expanded universe. universe. Yeah. All of our guest appearances. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah, we covered this with Brent and John um, and it was a really fun time and a really fun topic. That was almost a year ago. Maybe. I don't remember. As of this recording. Sure. Who fucking knows? Uh, and 
Now we're going to cover it ourselves. Mr. Booker says, okay, it's time for you to cover it yourself. It's a topic we're kind of experienced with. Yeah. We're coming is, in with a lot of knowledge. We're going to, I think that we can sound credible. Yeah. So, Bug Burgers, this is a history mystery. It's fun. It's World War II era. It's California. California. There's golf courses. There's golf courses. There's 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 a blimp. There's you a love dirigibles. Blimp. Yeah. I love those chips. The dirigibles. They, so many ridges. dirigibles have ridges. Uh, bug Funkers flavor blasted dirigibles. They're flavor blasted. Check it out, Bug Funkers. As always, there's a timestamp in the episode show notes and description. You can skip right ahead. You can float right ahead on an aircraft at a at a very steady pace and maintained speed. Not too high of an altitude, though. Right. Uh, right to when the research begins. But first, Andy and I got to tell you how we got captured this week. Yeah. Oof, boy. Uh, every week, Mr. Bucker captures us. Every, every week. Every week we're captured. and That's the premise of the show. This week, it's no different. Uh, it's a premise. Beefers, if, uh, for those of you who know me well, which are none of you. Um, you don't know this guy at all. You don't know me. You might think you do, but you don't know me. Uh, so the thing about me is that I am always, always trying to beautify myself. If there's one thing that I care about, it's my appearance. That's right. And how other people perceive me. Yep. And I take Big time. great pains to make sure that however I present myself to others, especially with respect to my looks, that it's very sanitized and it's just the way that I want it. It's, it's something that I obsess over. Yeah. I spend hours in front of the mirror sure every day. Ointments, creams, creams lotions, lotions, lathers, oils, scrubs, scrubs, uh, face masks, pads, yeah. uh, pumice stones. I'm rubbing all kinds of things all over my body all day long, and I'm doing it in the, in front of the mirror. And yeah, some of the time in the mirror, I am contemplating my life choices, but that's called being introspective, right? And it's a good thing. Yeah. So I care a lot about my appearance, and sure. I think that comes off in the way that I look. That people are always telling me, like, "Wow, okay, that's a look for sure." And so I think that that's acknowledgement that hey, something is working. So I decided, hey, you know what? I've had the same haircut for 45 years. It's time it's time to do something a little bit different. You wanted to change it up a bit. You got to change it up a little bit. You can't be stagnant. Right. You got to always be moving forward. So I decided, you know what? It's very hip, chic right now to let your hair grow out. Grow it out. So I decided to grow my hair out. And I, I didn't get a haircut for over six years. <laughs> and... People started to, and you know, I'm, I'm one of these people. I also, I have, I have fast growing head hair. I have fast growing body hair. I have to shave all my body hair every week or it gets right. out of, it gets unruly. Right. Uh, so I stopped shaving my body hair too. And so eventually I'm, I'm all grown out. I got this hair grown out really long. Call you the fucking Rugrats. You're all grown up. Yeah. I'm all grown up. <laughs> call me. You can call me Tommy Pickles. Yeah. Hey, Tommy Pickles. Oh, what's up? Um, so I grew out my hair and it didn't exactly have the impact on others that I was hoping. I thought people would be like, okay, this is a cool surfer dude. Uh, he loves to hit the beach. Mm -hmm. He's uh, very cool. has very beautiful locks. Right. This is like a Fabio type. Rough Fabio type. Yep. Yeah. Hair streaming in the wind. Mm -hmm. looks like he could be on a romance novel cover. Uh, instead, people, uh, I, was, I was often visited by animal control people. <laughs> 
because I kept getting mistaken for a, a yak. A diseased yak. A yak that was suffering from either mange or mad cow <laughs> or something. Or a combination of the two. Uh, yeah, people just kept, you know, reporting that there was a wild yak These zoologists suffering from would, a sickness. The zoologist would keep showing up to your fucking house. And to be honest, Andy, I have to admit, even on air live here, I never told you this before. I've one of the couple of those calls were me. I would see you out on your balcony. I'd be like driving by your house. And I'd be like, what the fuck's that? Dis- How do put that diseased yak up there? That's horrible. You know where I live. Why would you do that? I got confused, Andy. You looked a lot like a diseased yak. Well, then they would come by the animal control and they're like, oh, a yak is a big deal. And they would just start shooting tranquilizers at me. You know how many darts I've had in my ass? I can't accurately answer that question. Neither can I. Because <laughs> you've aimlessly walked into a lot of a lot of bars and pubs where people play darts. Okay, yes. I don't always understand when there's a dart game going on, and I sometimes walk past on my way to the to bathroom. To be fair, they don't really section it off very well. No. If you can walk, there's a space. You're like, is this where I'm ordering? Are you guys queuing up for the line? And then you're, all of a sudden there's a dart in your fucking ass. And, and like most people, I go in front of the line. If all the people are lined up facing one direction, I always go in front of them all to yeah. ask, are you guys in line? <laughs> right, right, right. That's the proper way to do it. So the hair thing didn't work the way we wanted it to, the way you wanted it to. So no. eventually we decided it was time for you to get a haircut. I had to go get a haircut. I mean, look, I, at some point you just have to accept that whatever you tried isn't working. And, and it's okay to change plans. So, Call an audible. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you know, I did a Omaha. Omaha. You kept screaming that. Omaha. Until. Damn it, Donald. Until, until I got taken to a barber shop. That's right. I just kept screaming Omaha. So we had to make like a special appointment at the barber. Yeah. Because this was a big job. Yeah. This, I had to go separately because I couldn't, they told me they wouldn't accept a walk-in from me because I would scare the patrons and then it would likely result in a call from animal control services again. Uh. So we decided to go to the. We found this great barber though, who's yeah. willing to work. We did with work. With, uh, our nice local barber. Nice local barber. This was at Mister Barber's Styling Time Barbershop, and <laughs> Art. Art helped me. I brought you along. Art. Uh, Art was my moral support. That's right. Throughout this, because um, it's been a while since I had a haircut. Yeah, you're feeling a little skittish. You know, I've, I, you know, I was fine with haircuts before, but after. Six years of not getting a haircut, you start to realize that, like, hey, this is pretty scary. People are like, these scissors can slice you, and they're so, flinging them at your head. Uh, right, they got those clippers, and it's very loud. Mm-hmm. And it's right by your ears, and right by your ears. You know, it only takes a little bit beefers for your ears to just get chopped off. Right. Um, they oftentimes want to shampoo you, and you can get shampoo in your eyes, and that's an unpleasant experience. It's very scary going to. So I was there for moral support. You know, we 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 got you, eventually after a half hour. Or so we got you into the chair. <laughs> I, yeah, you kept pushing, kept, but you didn't want to go. You were crying. It was. Just, I did some laying down on the sidewalk, crying, um, outside the shop. Before Art was like dragging, you kept my trying arm. to suck off the little the classic barber. Yeah, I was trying to suck off thing. The you thought it was like a peppermint stick. Yeah, I kept trying to suck off the barber. Pole. You wanted to drink his comb juice, that like bright blue juice. You thought it was like I thought it was Powerade, blue Powerade. <laughs> because when I'm at home, I keep my combs in Powerade. Because the electrolytes are good for your hair. 
So in my bathroom, I have I have a jar of Powerade with combs in it. So I thought, well, this is good for a drink. You know, you get a little bit of hair, but it's fine. But then they're going like, no, 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 that'll lead away your insides and you'll die. You kept trying to eat the shaving cream. You thought it was whipped cream. Yeah, I, I mean, in my defense, a lot of whipped cream pies are actually shaving cream. That's true. We learned that the hard way. Yeah. So it's misleading. I just get them confused now. I think that there's whipped cream inside shaving cream canisters. Eventually we got you into the seat. Yeah. Okay. And so I kind of took, you know, I was helping out. I was like kind of telling the bar. I was like, listen, listen, listen. Give him a two here. Do take about a couple inches off the top. Do a two on the side. Fade it in. Taper that down. I want a rounded neck on the back. Make sure you do a hot neck lather and shave. All of a sudden, I found myself, you know, I had these glasses. I was wearing them on the bridge of my nose. I'm reading a Playboy magazine that I pulled off the side. Lots of great magazine choices at this barbershop. Hustler, Playboy, Playgirl, Penthouse, Jugs, Asses, Tits, Pussies. Great magazines at this fucking barbershop. And Boys with a Z. Yeah, Boys with a Z. Maxim. Three, there's the one that starts with H. Hustler. <laughs> that isn't Hustler. FHM. And so many more. And I was thumbing oh, through. Oh, highlights. <laughs> That's the one that starts with an H. Highlights. <laughs> so I was thumbing through an adult highlights. It was fucking great. Goofus and Gallant. Yeah, Goofus and Gallant were butt-fucking. <laughs> Goofus, does, Goofus doesn't wear a condom. <laughs> Gallant always practices safe sex. <laughs> Goofus refuses to use lube in his partner's anus. Gallant always stretches his asshole before engaging in intercourse. Goofus never talks with his partner about a safe word before they engage <laughs> in BDSM. Gallant establishes a term sheet before engaging in ruckus sex. Goofus. Goofus never sterilizes the cum inside the condom. Gallant always makes sure that nobody can ever steal his seed and generate a child and steal his highlights money. I love adult highlights. You're trying to match scenes. Goofus burned down his ex-wife's house while she was at work. Gallant paid his child support in accordance with the law. <laughs> I love adult highlights. Yeah. So great. I was thumbing through it. I had the glasses on the bridge of my nose. I was thumbing through it. I would take little glances up at you. You were whimpering. I would say, hey, it's fine, buddy. It's fine. We had to get you a fun little high chair that was shaped like a car. Yeah. So you could sit in the seat. It, I got to pretend like I was driving beefers. You got to pretend that you were driving. I pretended that I was in a race. They gave you a, one of those barbershop suckers, which is like a really shitty... Sucker hard candy with the, like the paper ring yeah. instead of a stick. The safe a, safe teapot. Save it's the safe teapot. Yep. Yeah. Give you one of those lime. that calmed you down. Lime, the superior green flavor. <laughs> lime hot takes. Green apples. Watch out. Um, and we were having a good time. Everything was going really well. Yeah, I kept you know I kept squirming and they kept nicking me because I kept squirming. <laughs> cuts all over your neck. And so they would. Then they were putting some aftershave in there, just, I think, to punish me. And I think you looked great. We styled you up with pomade. You look like a handsome little boy. I did. And, you know, 
I wish I in hindsight, I wish that I would have picked a different seat because the little car filled up with hair pretty quickly. So I had hair all over my right. lower extremities. Yeah, yeah, you did. Uh, yeah, I was kind of just sitting in a pile of hair. So then, then you know, I, I they got the haircut. We're about done. to finish up. We're about to finish up. You know, they're doing the last thing. They're going to run the blow dryer over me to make sure they can blow off any of that last bit of hair. They had to pull out one of those industrial ones that's shaped like a face. You know, it's got the eyes. It's a red, like a Mr. Hoover or something, whatever it's called. A hoovy. <laughs> what? A big old nostril. Looks like a trunk. You ever seen these? Beepers, you know what these look like. <laughs> Little vacuums with a face. Big vacuums. Shop vacs. Oh, it's a vacuum? It's a shop vac. Not a blow dryer. It's a wet vac shop vac. Oh, I see. Wet vac shop vac. It's a shop vac. Wet dry shop vac. Shop vac is wet dry. And they're, you know, blowing you down. Yeah. Like Blow a fucking, me down. Like a fucking yeah, car. Yeah. So they go to adjust the little frock that they dress you in. You know? Right. They've got this like. It's yellow and brown and orange uh, paisley frock that they put over you to catch the loose hair. Yeah, paisley. And they the, the barber, he goes to adjust the thing, and all of a sudden this frock like just flaps up into the ceiling. Right. And it just starts spinning around in a circle. And right. there's hair going everywhere. Yep. The whole... The whole barbershop is like covered in hair. Hair all over the hustler this, I was thumbing through. Yeah, this blinding. And but and it wasn't even a a hairy pussy episode, you know, yeah. centerfold. No, it wasn't. So this whole thing, the <laughs> the hair is just blowing all over the barbershop. There's this cyclone of hair. Right. You can see nothing. It's just hair shards everywhere. of my hair. Shards. All over the, the barbershop. And eventually the 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 little frock. It comes and it wraps around my face, mm-hmm. and it's it's suffocating me, and I'm I'm being choked. It's like it's snapped around my neck, and hair's going in my mouth, and I can't breathe, and I'm starting to swallow hair. Yeah, and then eventually I just everything goes black, passed out. Yeah, I got covered in a mound of hair. I too was just I was overheating in the amount of hair that I was covered in. Yeah. And that mound eventually made me pass out as well. And then woke up in the bunker. That frock was Mr. Bunker. Mr. Bunker sat on my body. Frocking guy. For 45 minutes while they cut my hair. But you look great. Kind of. I mean, your hair is real teased out. You look like you look like a cartoon character that just saw something frightening. Right. And now they're like, they're frozen still like that. I'm like, zoinks, zoinks. Hair standing up on end. But other than that, you looked good for about a couple of seconds there. I yeah. did a good job coaching that barber. Yeah. I would go back. You would go back? If they used a different frock. I don't feel comfortable having Mr. Bunker draped on my body for that long. Well, I'd go back for the magazines for sure, because I got to finish that adult highlights. Yeah. Yeah, you were. <laughs> I was so close to matching all the things and finding them all in that. That fucking EDM raid. Yeah. It was so close. So close to finding all the all the little hidden objects in that picture. Yeah. But uh, Bunkfuckers, that's how we got captured this week. You know, Andy does look better. Uh, he looks like a nice little boy. And, you know, that's it. That fuck, Watch out for those frocks. Who'll you, buy a frock? You know, if you're 
if you're ever in doubt mm-hmm. about whether your frock is real or not, when they put it on you, right, just punch yourself as hard as you can in the gut. Yeah, and if it's the frock is a person, you won't feel it. It'll, mm-hmm. The person will absorb it. Nope. But if it is a person pretending to be a frock, they'll get punched. That's right. And this that just establishes your dominance and helps you learn. So, I mean, bunk bunkers. Well, Andy, whoever I'm fucking talking to, um, you know, here's the thing. Yeah, we got fooled by a frock, but I don't think these next people that we have to shout out are fools at all. In no. fact, I think they're great, and I I want to shout them out for their wonderful support. It's it's we got a couple of bunker alarms for some patrons. That's right, Art. We have not one. But count them, two, two new patrons to this show. So these are brand new, beloved Bunk Funkers, proud patrons of this show. So we're going to do what we always fucking do for our new patrons. That's right. And we're going to fire up the Bunk Tank Bunker Alarm 3000. We're going to do it. And we're going to give them a perfectly synced alarm. So wonderful. finest that technology can deliver. So please, beefers. Beefers. Everyone listening, please join with me in saying thank you to our two Newest patrons of this show. Number one, Grandpa Dirt for 2069. Grandpa Dirt for 2069. And number two, Zach, a.k.a. Timid. Zach, a.k.a. Timid. Thank you both. Thank you, Grandpa Dirt for 2069 and Zach, a.k.a. Timid, <laughs> for your support of this show. That's so, right. As promised, I'm going to let her rip. Let Fire her up rip. the old Bunk Tech Bunky Alarm. 3,000, and we're going to play some alarms. We're going to do it. All right, here we go. There you go. Ooh, that doesn't sound good. It's like it's backing up. It's like it's backing up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. much steam built up. This oh, that a- looks like it's running better now. Okay. All right. Tick, tick, tick. Just, These uh, dials don't seem yeah. to be working, though. Oh, huh? that's what it was? It was a dial? Yeah, it's like, okay. it talks about how hot it is inside the machine, and it's not doing anything. Is that what that gauge reads? Yeah, the gauge is the heat internal temperature of the <laughs> okay. Bunker Alarm 2000. Interesting. Huh, okay. Well. All right, start to warm up. Oh, okay, it's warming up. Here mm-hmm. we go. All right, let's uh, let's give it a go. Um, uh, that sounds good. Those that's, are nice. that's a keyboard. That's a nice keyboard. That's sounding good today. It's got a mouse too. Okay, what I got a new mouse. Old ones with the big fucking red ball on it. Mm-hmm. It's a trackball. <laughs> trackball. Those are for spreadsheets, right? Yeah. It's a whole. It's a whole. Database worth of alarms in here. Wow. <laughs> Look at that thing spin. We're going way back. <laughs> oh, these look nice. Gentle clicks. These look nice. Oh, those look nice. These alarms look nice. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now we're just going to lo- cue them up into the machine. So. Yep. <laughs> More steam. God, a lot of steam builds up so inside much this steam. thing. Good thing your hair is already teased out. Otherwise, it would yeah, uh, get it would have gotten like fucked a up. Real stupid idiot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we're ready to go here. All right, so 
Grandpa Dirt 42069 and Zach, a.k.a. Timid. As you probably know, because you're fans of this show, I That's like to right. do a little countdown before we play the alarm because it builds drama. Yeah, because we need it. No, no, no. I mean, think of us like this is like an old-timey mining operation. And me... Doing this countdown is the TNT that's going right. to blow this thing wide open, all yeah. right? So here we go. In three, in two, in one, a go. Whoa, that Ooh, was a fun yeah. one. I think it got more st- clogged up on Steam again. There we go. Kind of powered down, but there was there's a lot of variance in that one. I liked that. Yeah. And I a- think Grandpa Dirt for 2069 and Zach A.K. Tammon are gonna love that too. Yeah, especially Grandpa Dirt for 2069. <laughs> uh but Zach aka Timid will also enjoy that, That's I'm right. sure. So uh let's power down the old bunk tech bunker alarm three thousand sure. because the fumes are really starting to fill up in here. Yeah, yeah. It's right, uh so. my eyes are watering. <laughs> 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 Oh, God. Oh, it doesn't sound good. Yeah, I think there's something living in there. <laughs> well, we'll have to investigate that later. Like but, but hey, call Grandpa Joe Nickel. Dirt. I think there's a black bear in there. Oh, boy. call Joe. We're going to call Joe Nickel after this episode. Grandpa Dirt 42069 and Zach, a.k.a. Timid, thank you so much again for your support. If you would like to eat your own bunker alarm and find out what's living inside the Bunker Neck Bunker Alarm 3000 and would like to, uh, you know. Only you can help us solve this mystery. Only you. Or Joe Nickel. Maybe we could get both. Uh, Joe if you, Nickel. If, if, you, so inclined, if you feel so inclined, Joe Nickel, and right. you have the means to do so, we know you, you do. do. You do. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker Pod. right. And become the highest level patron you can, Joe, Joe, Joe Nickel. Nickel. We got a special Joe Nickel tier. <laughs> $100 a day. <laughs> and we will send you a black bear. That's right. With mange. No, for just five bucks a month, Bunk Funkers, you get access to the Bunker Discord. You can chat with me, Andy, but honestly, more important than chatting with us is all the other wonderful Bunk Funkers who are in that Discord chatting away every single day, doing crazy, wild, fun stuff. Um, you get access to um, behind the scenes. There's like 50, 70, a million hours worth of content. <laughs> 50 million hours. We, I might start doing video game live streams. Who knows? We're going to do fun stuff. And um, there's a lot of fun stuff there. So check it out. Patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker Pod. But first, well, not first, but now. Things will be happening. Things will be popping off. Right. Come join. Come join. Andy, we gotta get we gotta get into our little Zeppelin and we gotta fly, fly, fly all the way to the whole enchilada and deliver it to these. We gotta drop a big old load. We got it in our gondola right now. Packed in our gondolas. It's a big old load. We're gonna drop it off to all the hungry bunk fuckers. They got their mouths open, looking up in the sky. And they're just waiting for us to dump waiting dump our us. loads right in their mouths. Wait us for dump our whole enchilada loads right in their mouths. On today's topic, the ghost blimp here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. Ooh. Am I filled with helium or hydrogen? Ooh. <laughs> 
People all over the world join hands, start a ghost blimp, a ghost blimp. Well, Andy, I didn't really see you grooving to my little intro there. I guess it's because I'm only an amateur lyricist and songwriter, but don't fucking wag your little finger or nod your head or shake your head at me just yet, Andy, because it runs in the family. I'll tell you what, Andy, I was researching researching today's topic about the ghost blimp. I uncovered something really cool. Turns out I found some old records from my great-great-grandfather, Artie J. Fitzgerald. Turns out the guy was a singer-songwriter around the time of the ghost blimp story takes place. How incredible is that, Andy? I uncovered some lore about my own family. Your my great-great-grandfather, Artie J. Fitzgerald. Great-great-grandfather? Artie J. Fitzgerald. <laughs> We're, of course, talking about the mysteriously lost crew of the U.S. Navy blimp who went missing in 1942, Andy. Yeah. Well, maybe my great-great-grandfather, Artie J. Fitzgerald. How old was he in 1942, by the way? Your great-great-grandfather. He's my great-great-grandfather. I don't know. A subtle, a, a suitable age to be a singer-songwriter of 1940s big band. Come on, Andy. Don't put down my great-great-grandfather, Artie J. Fitzgerald. Not just your great-grandfather, your great-great-grandfather. Yeah. Your great-grandfather's father. Yeah. yeah. It's the 1940s, dude. They're like a million years ago. Okay. What the fuck are you talking about? You nut job. You're a goof, dude. I found some of his records. Maybe it'll help. If anything, I don't know if it'll uncover anything about the ghost blimp. We'll see. But it will at least, at the very least, Andy, help set the stage for this World War II era history mystery. Are you ready? I, I got yeah. three of his songs. I wow. put three of his records. I'm going to play the first one for you. Wow. Just a snippet. I don't want to take up too much time with all these songs. Okay. So let's just play the first one. Here. Yeah. I'm flying high, but I got a feeling I'm maintaining my altitude, floating right on course with you. Lovely. Was he drinking? You are a blimp, and I got a feeling I'm maintaining my altitude. Show me your gondola, and I'll enter in a safe and vigilant manner. Wow. That was lovely. Wow. I mean, I guess this song didn't get much radio play because the whole idea of writing a love song. While comparing your sweetheart to a blimp didn't really play out, but um, at least he said he would enter in a in a safe and vigilant manner. That's cool. He wrote song. He wrote a song about a blimp. I thought it would set the set the mood. Yeah, set the stage. Yeah, it did. You liked it. Yeah, you like my great great grandfather R. J. Fitzgerald. Yeah, R. J. Fitzgerald. I think it's kind of nice. He wrote a song about a blimp. It didn't get a lot of radio play. You know, he didn't he didn't make a lot from that. You kind of made fun of how he was slurring his words in his speech. Maybe he's not the best singer, but I thought the lyrics were kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were really good lyrics. Would you play that in your house? He seems like he's very into blimps, like <laughs> technically. Well, I mean, it helps set the stage. Stage. Yeah. Let's get this blimpy topic off the ground, Andy. Okay. Thank you again to my great grandfather, R.I.P. R.D.J. Fitzgerald. Gone but not forgotten. Fitzgerald. On August 16th, 1942, in Daly City, California, a quiet suburb near San Francisco, around 11.30 a.m., a sagging Navy blimp descended from the sky and headed 
for Bellevue Avenue. Let's be honest. Sagging blimp is often how people describe you, Andy. But <laughs> yeah. according to a local fireman quoted in the San Francisco Chronicle, some 35 years later, this blimp, quote, looked like a big broken wiener. <laughs> also things people have said about me, except for the big part. I guess that's a good way to describe you, too. This is a very you topic. Yeah, I guess. Maybe I am the ghost blimp. <laughs> you are. The blimp descended and landed upon a rooftop before drifting off and getting all tangled in some power lines, like me when I get spider webs in my face. The blimp sheared through the power lines and sent sparks of bloom before finally resting on the ground. And this blimp was a little fucked up. The engines were smashed into the pavement. One of them was clogged with earth or dirt. The propellers were bent and gasoline poured into the streets. Imagine the smell. Mm. Love it. Naturally, the people of San Francisco being the chill AF Bay Area people, um, they didn't really give a crap. Wait a minute. No, that's wrong. I wrote that wrong. Uh, they freaked out. I mean, wouldn't you too, Andy or Beefers, if a massive blimp just crashed in your fucking neighborhood? I mean, I'd be like, kind of fucking weird. I'd a be big, like, that's a little odd. A big blimp crashed into your neighborhood and leaked gasoline all over everything? Yeah. I'd be like, oh, that's a little weird. Yeah. I'll take my headphones off until uh, the next RDJ Fitzgerald song. Making me uncomfortable. You're hot under these cans. <laughs> Not me. Bellevue Avenue, where the blimp mm-hmm. crashed, went into a bit of a panic as people ran under their houses and raced under the scene. I'm imagining, Andy, I'm setting the stage here, a Wilhelm scream and that one that one guy from SpongeBob who always screams, my leg. Oh, yeah. Like just pandemonium. Yeah. This is very Bikini Bottom-esque right it is. now. Police and fire teams <clears throat> soon arrived to control the panic crowd and then to rescue the surviving crew members. But to their befuddlement, the gondola of the blimp was empty. That was the alternative tagline for the movie Scream. (laughs) I was about to say, if I had a dollar for every scary campfire story that ended with that phrase, (laughs) I'd have five million (laughs) dollars. Art loves camping. (laughs) I love it. Here's some facts for you. I'm going to throw some facts at your face. The pilot's parachutes were tidily put away in their normal spots. The lifeboat remained intact. The cap of one of the pilots still sat on the instrument panel. The blimp was in perfect working order, down to the radio. The ignition switches were on. The blimp's instruments and flight controls all operated normally, with four hours of gas remaining in the fuel tanks. In other words, there was nothing whatsoever wrong with this blimp except for the fact that there was no crew at all. Two of the three life jackets carried on board were missing, but flight regulations required that the two crew members wear life jackets while patrolling over open water. So it's not surprising that those might have disappeared along with the crew. The only thing slightly strange was that part of its fuel supply had been dumped. Normally a blimp wouldn't dump fuel unless it needed to increase buoyancy in a hurry. Uh, since this blimp didn't seem to have any, it wasn't clear why the fuel had been lost and its engines were still sitting idle. There was, there was even a bomb still attached to the blimp and naval officials would later assure everyone that there was never any danger because it could only be detonated in water. These were uh, depth charges and they could only ever be detonated when the pressure of the water increased so great that they exploded. They're meant for blowing up submarines. 
Um, which was fortunate because a second bomb uh, did not remain. It had two bombs on board. One of them didn't remain attached. And it tumbled from the blimp and landed on a golf course near San Francisco. Four. <laughs> Mind if the bomb plays through? <laughs> Hole in one. Hope he had a tea time. Search parties were dispatched. Naval servicemen hunted for the men by land, air, and sea. A Navy spokesperson told the U.S. press that they were completely without clues. Where was this missing crew and what had happened to them? Oh. So let's dive, or shall I say, float idly deeper into the purpose of this blimp and its crew. <laughs> yeah, it's float idly deeper is definitely better for us. <laughs> That's what we do. Yeah. When we explore topics. The blimp and its crew's mission was simple, Andy. Locate Japanese subs off the west coast of the United States and sink them. The United States had entered World War II only nine months earlier, and Japanese subs had sunk at least half a dozen Allied ships off the American West Coast. The Ghost Blimp, like I said, carried two 325-pound Mark 17 depth bombs mounted on an external rack, a 30-caliber machine gun, and 300 rounds of ammunition. Blimps, airships, or if you're an egghead, dirigibles, had a niche role in the U.S. naval efforts in World War II. Uh, the U.S. Navy commissioned the blimps to be modeled after the very same ones used to advertise Goodyear tires. They said, I like that. I like that the military was just like, oh, those are some good fucking looking blimps. Uh, we'd like to buy the schematics to those. <laughs> hey. And that, use them for war. Hey, that blimp looks awesome. Can you imagine what it would look like if it had a machine gun on it? <laughs> it's like the Homer car. Uh, these were designated L-class blimps with uh, the ranges being L4 to L8. And the ghost blimp was an L8. Uh, these bullet bill looking things were kind of neat. They were held aloft by 123,000 cubic feet of helium. The blimp had a maximum diameter of 47 feet and a cruising speed of 43 knots. It was powered by twin 145 horsepower Warner Super Scarab Type 5 engines. Now, these blimps didn't see a ton of combat and were mainly used for training missions in coastal anti-submarine patrols. But that being said, they were a part of the war effort. And Andy, you know what? Uh, my great-great-grandfather, RDJ Fitzgerald. Also, you know, obviously in the 40s, there was a lot of like war effort songs, right? You had right. like Bing Crosby singing the Bombardier song. You had um, Sam Brown's Berlin or Bus. You had a lot of really fun patriotic war effort songs, propaganda, you know. Uh, and my grandfather, my great-great-grandfather, got involved in that as well. Uh, he he wrote a, a, well, at least he tried to write a wartime, you know, uh, rally the troops kind of song. So let's let's give it a listen. Wow, okay. This is fun. It's fun too. Allow me to clarify my point. Oh, I was misrepresented in the press, boys. Allow me to clarify my point. I do think we should kill Hitler. What <laughs> I said was this. I just think we should do it, do it with a, a blimp so that was my point boys we should kill hitler but we should do it with a blimp 
Well, if that doesn't get the troops moving, I don't know what will. People just assume that your great-great-grandfather didn't want to kill Hitler. I guess that's, it turns out, yeah, that like my, my great-great-grandfather, R.E.G. Fitzgerald, got a lot of flack because it seemed like maybe somebody misconstrued what he said, like, you know, that like he didn't want to go kill Hitler and he wasn't pro-America during the World War II, but again, he was against the war, but it just seemed like he needed to clarify it. And I guess the best way he thought to do that was to kill Hitler with a blimp. That's That was his whole point. It said, people were like, what's wrong with you? You don't want our boys to go kill Hitler and stop all these atrocities? He's like, no, 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 I do. Just we should do it with a blimp. So I guess yeah. he caught some flack and he, he recorded that song to try and help clear his name, but also rally the troops. Right. What do you think? Does that get you feeling patriotic? You want to go wave an American flag? I do agree with him. It would have been way cooler if we killed Hitler with a blimp. I just, you know, he definitely seems like he's really into blimps. Yeah. I've definitely is. caught that vibe. Yeah, he's got a he's got a weird thing for blimps. I guess being weirdly obsessed with things kind of runs in the family. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all making sense. Huh. Being, I'm learning more than just about the blimps on this episode. I mean, being weirdly into specific things that obviously runs in the family, being misquoted in the press <laughs> as being perceived as not wanting, as, as uh, I guess, tacit approval of right. uh, violent dictators. Right. Yeah. It runs in the family. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that some, I don't know, 200 years later, when was World War II? I don't fucking know. Uh, I was able to help clear my great-great-grandfather's name again by getting that that song more played to our millions and millions of listeners. Yeah. Yeah. The good. hundreds of millions of people that listen to this podcast can now enjoy. Right. What's the name of that song? Uh, that one was uh, Blimp or Bust. Blimp or Bust. So, um, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Blimp or bust. You might say that the two-man crew of the Ghost Blimp were ready for a routine patrol when they took off at 6.03 a.m. Now, the timelines, Andy, if you remember, mm-hmm. the timelines are important with this one, Bugfuckers, and right. so just, you know, listen for those timelines. Yeah. They took off at 6.03 a.m. from Treasure Island in San Francisco Bay. Ooh. The, the two crew were Lieutenant Ernest DeWitt Cody at the helm and Ensign Charles Ellis Adams. Both were Navy veterans. Both were married. Both had exemplary service records. Um, again, that's sort of said as a point of like, why would these guys go missing? They were, everything about them was the, you know, the best it could have been. Like, there was no reason for these guys to disappear. Yeah. Now, Cody was the senior aviator of Airship Patrol Squadron 32 and was a 1938 graduate of Annapolis. He would be remembered as taciturn by nature and not one to lose his head under pressure. In fact, his commanding officers considered him, quote, one of the most capable pilots and one of the most abled officers under his command. So, again, these guys are good. And he wasn't as experienced with flying blimps as his partner, Adams. Cody only had 756 hours of blimp flying. Still something, nothing to sneeze at. While Adams had 2,281 hours. Thing is, Cody was eight years younger than Adam, Adams but ranked his superior in military rank. So what gives? Well, in April 1942, Cody flew the L-8, uh, that, the same classification of blimp as the ghost blimp, to deliver precious cargo to the USS Hornet before the ship departed for Doolittle's raid over Tokyo. Cody held the blimp steady over the carrier's bobbing flight deck 
while 300 pounds of spare parts were lowered for the B-52 bombers that would be used in the attack. This maneuver that he performed while piloting it required a fair degree of piloting skill contributed to his being promoted to lieutenant senior grade two months later. That's not to say that his co-partner there, Adams, was no slouch. I mean, or he wasn't a slouch. He was actually a decorated, he was decorated by the German government for rescuing Hindenburg passengers after that airship caught fire and crashed. Because they filled it with hydrogen, right? Yeah, they filled it with hydrogen. Exactly. Regardless, here's what here's the point. These guys were basically fucking maxed out in their blimp flying skills. I mean, they were 99 out of 99 on RuneScape blimp. You dig? <laughs> Love that game. Love that fucking game. <laughs> Old school RuneScape blimp. <laughs> this was just a routine patrol. It would only take four hours and they'd return to base sometime between 10 and 10.30 that morning, just in time for lunch. What was what was lunch that day on the base? Fried bologna sandwiches. Oh my God. Hook me up with mustard. Mustard. I like peach pie. I like yellow mustard. Schmira mayo. Schmear. Dill pickles. Ooh, that's good. And raw onion. All right. Lost me on the raw onion, but mm, I was with it every other contrast. Let's pickle those onions. Okay, that's fine. Fair compromise. There we go. That's our sandwich. There you go. Fried bologna. And make it a thick slice. Thick old slice. Half inch thick slice. And then cut little like, cut little incisions on all the like four corners of the bologna. It's a round slice. There's not corners. Well, you know what I mean? Every quarter. Every quarter, make a little incision so that the thing doesn't. So it doesn't curl. Curl up. You could also deep fry it. Ooh, we're getting somewhere. Some texture. Yeah, it'll get crunchy on the outside. Bungfuckers, what do you think of this sandwich? So. At 6.03 a.m., they took off from Treasure Island. Winds were light and variable at four knots per hour. With a ceiling of 800 to 1,000 feet, the day was slightly overcast, but visibility was good, Andy, at three to five miles. Cody could even see the towers of the Golden Gate Bridge in the distance. Again, totally routine. Nothing out of the ordinary is going on with this patrol. Ghost Blimp's mission was to patrol within a 50-mile radius of San Francisco. Once Cody passed over the Golden Gate, he headed southwest toward the uh, Farallon Islands. At 7.38 a.m., an hour and a half into the patrol, he radioed the blimp's position as four miles east of the Farallons. Is that, am I saying that right? Farallons. F-A-R-A-L-L-O-N-S. Farallons. Farallons. I'll bet it's Farallons. Farallons. Four minutes later, he sent a second message. This is important. Quote, am investigating suspicious oil slick. Stand by. So an oil slick could indicate that an enemy sub was lurking below the waves. It's not surprising that the blimp dropped two Mark V float lights. These are a smoke producing flare shaped like an aerial bomb at 742 a.m. And then began to scrutinize that area. They, They were honing in on what they thought might have been an enemy sub. So, that is when the Liberty ship, uh, Albert Gallatin, spotted the blimp's smoke flares. Its crew sounded the general alarm, manned its guns. Sailors from the nearby fishing trawler, the Daisy Gray, worried that the blimp was about to depth charge an enemy sub, so they pulled in all their nets. They were a fishing boat. They were out there fishing in the bay, and they are like, oh, fuck, there's about to be a battle. And he's looking up the pronunciation of the Farallon Islands. 
Farallon Islands. Farallon Islands. Now, I think this is a dumb move on the Daisy Gray's part because um, if they released a bunch of bombs and blowed up all the fishies into the boat like into cartoons, <laughs> that yeah. would have been cool. Yeah. That's the real way to fish. You know, I saw a video the other day where it's just such a thing was happening. Yeah. Kinda. So for you for you beefers that are in the USA and you beefers that are not, there is a specific species of fish that's very invasive to American North American waterways, oh, the Asian carp. Yes. And I've it's, heard about this. it's threatening to it's in the Great Lakes, but it's threatening to, without proper control, to completely decimate the ecosystem of the Great Lakes. Because there's no natural predators. there's no natural predators. So I saw a video of a boat in Kentucky, and what they were doing is going through to where there were a bunch of Asian carp, and they're just, like, shocking the water. And so then all these fish just instantly float to the top. Holy shit. So it's a little bit like what you just said. That's kind of fucked up, but also kind of crazy. Yeah. And then that's what the Daisy Gray should have done. But no bombs were dropped. Instead, the blimp circled the area for more than an hour. The blimp was close enough to the Daisy Gray that the trawler's first mate could make out two men in the gondola. So they're still in there. One of them, even he could say, was with dark hair. Um, so through the... Uh, ow. Though the, uh, the blimp's identification had been removed from its outer envelope, it was still painted on the control cabin. Besides, there was no mistaking a blimp of this type. They were fucking, they were like, we know that this is the exact blimp. We're not mistaking the blimp. Yeah. So these two ships, the Daisy Gray and the Gallatin, were just sitting there in the ocean, watching the ghost blimp circle around. First, the blimp was only 200 to 300 feet above the water. Then it started to spiral down until it was at one point only 30 feet above the ocean waves. This gave the impressions of the crew that the blimp really wanted a close look at whatever was lurking below. Then shortly after 9 a.m., the blimp dropped a ballast, which is like a weight on the undercarriage, and dropping it would help the blimp to ascend. The blimp rose up and started to float back towards San Francisco. Nobody thought anything unusual at all. Blimps were a regular sight on the California coast due to the war effort. So to the Daisy Gray and the Gallatin, Seemed like the blimp crew had finished their recon and was heading back. But that was the last time Cody and Adams were ever seen or heard from again. Dun, dun, dun. Now, the ghost blimp had broadcast its last message at 7.42 a.m. before circling that oil slick. After that, wind control tried to reestablish radio contact without success. Squadron headquarters wasn't told of the blimp's radio silence until 8.20. But it wasn't unusual for blimps to lose contract, contact during a patrol. Besides, Cody and Adams had more than enough fuel to return the base. And again, they were like experts, expert pilots, so nobody really, you know, was that worried. But then when the crew still hadn't responded by 8.50, they sent out two Vought OS-2U Kingfisher float planes to search for the blimp. Other aircraft in the area were also alerted to be on the lookout. The next indication of GB's whereabouts came from 10.49 a.m. when a Pan-American Clipper pilot... Um, when a Pan-American Clipper pilot... reported seeing the blimp over the Golden Gate Bridge. He spotted nothing wrong with the ship, which appeared to be under control, and heading back to base 
At 11, one of the kingfishers reported seeing GB three miles west of um, Salada Beach, rising through the overcast at 2,000 feet. A few minutes later, the blimp began to descend, disappearing into the clouds. Nothing indicated that the blimp was not being controlled by a crew. But 2,000 feet was close to the blimp's pressure height. The altitude where its valves would automatically open, start venting some helium to prevent its gas cells from bursting. Yes, bunk funkers, like a blimpy nocturnal emission. Exactly like that. Would it be more like a blimp sleep fart? Or that. Sleep fart's a thing? I don't even know that was a reference. Oh, yeah. I've been caught sleep farting before. Fucking sleep snoring too. It'll uh apparently, you know, when you fart in your sleep, you're just very relaxed. So Yeah, I believe it. So it's just more like a uh the air just sort of comes out and flaps your butt cheeks. So it's like nice. It does sound relaxing. And probably sounds a lot like a blimp. Yeah. <laughs> like a blimp's motor like this. Yeah, just floating on by. Now, normally had the blimp actually been piloted by a crew, they would have avoided being up that high in the first place unless there was some severe reason to ignore those altitude restrictions. Next to sight, the ghost blimp was an Army P-38 pilot who spotted the blimp near Mile Rock. He noticed nothing strange, assuming it was headed to Treasure Island. Again, Blimps are regular stealth assassins at this point. I mean, goddamn, all you, all you, all of you listening better hope that blimps never be, gain sentience and become ninjas. It seems like damn near everybody can't tell a rogue blimp from a piloted blimp. These are runaway blimps. Yeah. And people are looking at them and they're just saying, oh, it looks like a blimp. <laughs> they yeah. don't know it's a rogue runaway blimp. How are people not seeing this? These are stealthy assassin based blimps. It's one of those things where you look at a blimp and you go, there's a blimp, and you never stop. Beefers, do you? Right. You should be ashamed of yourselves. You never stop and say, can I see the pilot and co-pilot? That's the thing is like, if a plane is going down, you know a plane's going down. But if a blimp's going down, I do you know? Takes a lot longer. They float. Takes a lot longer. Yeah, they gently glide. You're like, oh, that's what it's supposed to be doing. It's a blimp. Must be coming in for a landing. Exactly. A few minutes later, Richard Quam, an off-duty seaman, <laughs> heading for a day at the beach. Wow, we're going to need a follow-up on this app to hear more about that seaman's day at the beach. Holy shit. What was he doing? His day off, he's a fucking seaman and he's going to the beach? Isn't he sick of the water? Maybe not. Sea calls to him. That's why he's a seaman. He wants, he wants some salt water. Yeah. Um... Anywho, he was driving along the coastal highway between San Mateo and San Francisco when he spotted GB in the distance and noted that the blimp was starting to bend in the middle. Quam stopped to snap a little photograph, which was later confiscated by the authorities. At approximately 11.15 a.m., five hours after Ghost Blimp left Treasure Island, the blimp approached the shore at Ocean Beach in San Francisco, about a mile south of Fort Funston. A solitary bather, again... Gonna need to know more about that guy. <laughs> See, related to the semen? Maybe. A solitary bather noticed the blimp hanging 50 feet offshore, its motors completely silent. Elliot's bag was sagging noticeably. 
and had to move broadside to the wind only 50 feet above the water. The blimp touched down br briefly on the beach, then moved inland until its gondola hit the side of a hill, packing the starboard engine with dirt and leaves and bending its propellers. The blow also knocked out one of the depth charges, uh, which rolled downhill before coming to a stop, like we mentioned earlier. Suddenly free of 325 pounds, the blimp began to rise. It cleared the embankment, disappeared from sight, until it crashed on Bellevue Avenue like we described earlier. So, here we are, a derelict blimp sitting in the middle of the street. Our blimp in the middle of the street. Our blimp caused some property damage and concerned citizens. What next? <laughs> Well, the U.S. Navy immediately launched an extensive search for the two missing crewmen. Air raid wardens and San Mateo County Highway Patrolmen spent the night combing the area where the blimp had drifted ashore. For the next three days, Navy ships and planes, assisted uh, by the Coast Guard, were assisted by the Coast Guard. Navy ships and planes assisted by the Coast Guard searched the Pacific there. But despite calm seas and good visibility, there was still... No sign of Cody and Adams. The Navy notified the men's wives that they were officially listed as missing. Andy is making a malaised face. You are not impressed. Wow. Discussion on this one is going to be spicy, bunk bunkers. <laughs> Andy is pissed off. He loves when Navy men go missing. <laughs> You heard it here first, Beefers. Hot take. <laughs> Two days later, the Navy convened a board of investigation under Commander Francis Connell. They conducted a seven-day inquiry and took testimony from civilians and naval personnel, which is why this topic has so many fucking people witnessing the fucking blip. <laughs> it's kind of nice, actually. Yeah. Normally, it's like, yeah, we don't know. It was spotted once and then never seen it. It's like, yeah. no, there was people saw it a lot. A lot, a lot, yeah. And they found them all. The uh, Daisy Gray and the Gallatin also testified, the ships, not the crew, yeah. <laughs> also testified during the inquiry about how they were, they were just sitting there fucking watching the blimp on the ocean do its blimpy things with the crew on board, engine intact, and they saw no one fall from the blimp's cabin. Despite calling 35 witnesses, the inquiry found no answers to the most basic questions. Why did Cody and Adams stop broadcasting if their radio was working? What caused the two men to leave their airship in mid-flight? And what happened between the time they spotted the oil slick off the Farallons at 7.42 a.m. and the point when the L-8 came ashore on Ocean Beach around 11.15 a.m.? And that's probably when they went missing. So... What happened to Adam, Adams and Cody? Cody and Adams. Andy, what do you think? Um, a lot of popular theories. Yeah, there are a lot of popular theories. Theories such as they fell out of the fucking blimp. That's a that's a popular one. Um, it's true. Uh, one was that they were captured by a Japanese sub. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a fun one. Yeah. Because are you going to describe it? No. So I believe if I'm recalling correctly that in that the way that this plays out is not that like 
they ended up falling in the water and then were captured by a submarine. It's that they float down to the water and they see a sub and then Japanese soldiers pull them down from the gondola. <laughs> Which I think is pretty funny. Yeah. Also That's, highly unlikely because nobody noticed a fucking sub surfacing. Surfacing and then the blimp and the sub getting within arm's length of each other. Right. And then the Japanese soldier ripping one of the crew out of the blimp. Another theory is that the Cody and Abs were spying for Japan and rendezvoused with an I-boat to escape. A stowaway had overpowered the two men and somehow vanished as well. That's a fun one. It's like, I can't figure out what happened to these two people, so I'll add a third missing person to the mix as well. That'll help explain what happened to the two. Now I've got this remainder of one. But I don't <laughs> I care. know. Half a person then jumped on the blimp and then threw that guy out and then I'm only down to half a person I have to explain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, let's see. Their disappearance was an AWOL scheme going awry. Mm-hmm. One crewman murdered the other over a woman, dumped his body, then fell overboard himself. Yeah. That one's funny to me because <laughs> slipped on some blood. It's fallen out of the blimp, but it's like, ah nah, they were jealous lovers. <laughs> <laughs> nothing to not there's absolutely no there is no evidence, evidence for that. that yeah rogue wave swept both the men away the blimp had temporarily dipped into the ocean washing both men away and of course they were abducted by aliens of course they were well most puzzling to investigators was why the blimp's crew failed to broadcast a radio message after sighting the oil slick 7.42 a.m. And if one of the crew had fallen from the cabin while investigating the oil slick, why didn't the other man radio for help? If both men were still on board when the L-8 headed back to San Francisco around 9 a.m., then what led to their disappearance between 9 a.m. and 11? Some believe the men did indeed see a Japanese sub in the water and left to follow it. But if that were true, why didn't they radio it in? Otto Gross, who has been uh, Gross, who has been researching the disappearance. <laughs> Otto Gross, has, who's been researching the disappearance of the Ghost Blip crew since 2009, believes he found the answer. His theory, detailed at his website GhostBlimp.com, <laughs> little on the nose, little on the nose, is that the blimp had been secretly testing experimental radar. And had poorly shielded microwaves overpowered the poorly shielded microwaves overpowered the men, causing them to tumble out the cabin. Now his claim is speculative at best, however, since no hard proof has ever been uncovered that the L8 was testing experimental equipment on that doomed flight. Well, Andy, we're approaching the end of the topic here, but uh, I have one last song from my great great grandfather, R.D.J. Oh, wow. Fitzgerald. R.D.J. Fitzgerald. I have not listened to this one yet. Uh, it actually was never released. So this is exclusive. From the vault. It's from the vault. It was never released. I think, I don't know why, but I guess we'll find out here. I'm a little nervous, but I don't know. Yeah, especially after that last song. Well, allow me to clarify my points. I thought it, was, it, had, I thought it had a nice catch to it. I like my great-great-grandfather. He seemed like a cool guy. Yeah. All right, here it is. This is a nice tune. Oh, what a change. On a 
little radio cast just east of the Mississippi spoke my great-great-grandson who always had time enough to say. Tommy? Give me one dozen blimps. I love talking about blimps. And make sure that my co-host friend also does. It's because my spirit will be listening And if they don't talk about only blimps You know I will be really pissed There may be other topics later Kind of think that there will Uh-oh. But my great-great-grandson and his friend Will think of me and blimps Will be their only subject still Give me one dozen blimps Or else I'll put my spirit foot in a metaphorical blimp And send it to the ones Who should fear their ancestors My great-great-grandson and his friend Oh my god! Andy! What the fuck? That's me and you! Oh my god, Andy! My great-great-grandfather's gonna kick our ass! From beyond the grave! As a blimp! He's gonna put it... I think what he was saying... It seemed like he was gonna. He's gonna put his foot in a metaphorical blimp and kick our ass. Oh, oh! I don't know. Oh, I see. I thought maybe that didn't come across. I thought he was gonna put his spirit in a blimp and float through the ages to come and beat our asses. Either way, Andy, what a weird prophetic song! What a strange song. We we have to change the we have to change this podcast. We we should only be talking about blimps. This is gonna have to become Mister Bunker's Blimp Time podcast. My God, we're going to do only blimp-based material? Yeah. Days of ways. Let us know how you feel about that, blimpers. <laughs> blimp flippers. <laughs> <laughs> only blimp blaze from blimp, blimp. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm sorry, great-grandfather. I can't even say blimp. Blimp, blimp-based. Blimp-blazed. It's hard. Blimp-based. Blimp-based. Blimp-biscuit. Hey. Yeah. We're going to be baking some blimp biscuits on this show. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. We don't want my the ancestor of my, or my, the spirit of my great-great-grandfather come kick our asses, Andy. No, we don't. Jesus. Jesus. Ways. He could peer into the future. He didn't know what a podcast was. He thought it was a radio cast. I never even met him, and he's threatened to beat my ass. Great-great-grandson and his friend. That's you. <laughs> yeah, I am your only friend. So <laughs> there's only one possibility. Oh, my God. I'm... Kind of pissed that I uncovered all these fucking relics. Give me one dozen blimps. Give me one dozen. It was very catchy. He should have very released catchy, it. Yeah. But I think I get why he didn't. Nobody probably understood what the fuck he was talking about. Yeah. Give me one dozen blimps. I love talking about blimps. Yeah. God, I'm I'm pissed that we had to do this topic. I wish we just left it with Hysteria 51. Yeah. Then they could be haunted by your great great grandfather. By now, they'd be Blimpsteria 51. Well, Blimpers, this is the start of a brand new turn. 100%. That's, That's right. That's the truth. Yeah. Only Blimp stuff from here on out. So. Call us Modest Mouse, because we're about to float on. <laughs> Call us the cover of Led Zeppelin 1. <laughs> yeah. Just please call us that. Please call us that. We're only blimp based material right now. Just blimp blast. <laughs> blimp blast. Whatever caused the loss of Cody and Adams probably occurred between their last radio message broadcast and when the Pan Am crewman spotted the blimp above pressure height at 10.20 a.m. 
as the Navy's Board of Inquiry concluded the following. Quote, careful analysis of the evidence indicates no reason for the voluntary abandonment of the airship. The board, therefore, believes that the abandonment was involuntary. Mm. The simplest explanation is that both men left the airship not long after their last broadcast at 7, uh, 7, whatever, 7.30. Most likely, one fell overboard while surveying the oil slick or possibly fixing the engine. That would account for the two smoke bombs being dropped. The ship descending to 30 feet and the use of a bogan hailer, a loudspeaker, found dangling from the gondola, presumably to maybe communicate with the man overboard. A bogan hailer? A bogan hailer. Well, I don't want to hail any bogans. <laughs> Mate? Toboggan. Is it toboggan? Anyway. Uh, let's see. So here's another likely scenario. You know, one, one man went to drop the smoke flares out the door and may have fallen out of the cabin. The other went to rescue him, but accidentally fell out as well, causing both men to fall and die instantly on impact with the ocean. Perhaps the smoke blocked their fall from view uh, of the two ships, the Daisy Gray and the Gallatin, right? But both men were presumably wearing life jackets. I mean, someone must have seen them, Right. But also being that close to the boats, I mean, would nobody have heard like a splash at the very least or something? I mean, that's a lot of things to come into a lot of sequences to happen. The smoke has to block all that from view. You know, the the people of the two boats, the crews of the two boats have to be not watching the blimp. Um, and then they have to, you know, obviously falling from a great enough height would, would destroy their life jackets and they would sink. But... There's a lot of things here, Andy. Mm-hmm. More, moreover, according to the Naval Inquiry, there may have been issues with the safety latch on the blimp's door. Doubts as to fastening of the safety lock at takeoff and adequacy of the latch suggest the possibility that the latch might have been released accidentally, permitting the passenger to fall out. Failure to use the radio or life raft may indicate that the pilot hoped to recover his passenger quickly. The fact that both engines were stopped might be explained by the pilot's attempt to slow the airship while heading into a very light breeze. The open door latch full forward, the microphone and radio headset hanging out the door lend credence to that theory. In such an attempt, the pilot might have gone overboard. No other adequate explanation offers itself for the abandonment of an airworthy airship. So maybe here's the scenario. Adams leans on the door. It opens unexpectedly due to the safety lock failure. He falls out. Cody, the lesser experienced of the two who is piloting the blimp, tries to rescue Adams himself instead of stopping and radioing for help. This, ex- this helps explain why there was a loudspeaker and headset found dangling from outside the blimp. Cody unsuccessfully attempts to save Adams, falls into the water himself, but still, there's a lot of questions left unanswered here with the men wearing life jackets, the bystanders of the two ships watching the blimp, and more. The blimp was quickly repaired and resumed duty as a training vessel. When World War II ended, the Navy returned the blimp to the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company, which which refurbished its cabin and renamed the craft America. Oh, wow. Clever. The blimp traveled around the nation, televising sporting events from 1969 until 1982 when it was retired. In 2003, Goodyear donated the control car to the Navy, Naval Aviation Museum in Pensacola, Florida, where it has was restored and it is now on display in the same configuration and markings it had in August of 1942. 
A year after Cody and Adams went missing, they were illegally declared dead. The Navy closed the book on the incident, officially classifying it as, quote, 100% unknown, undetermined. Well, Andy, we learned a lot on today's topic. Um, and, I mean, we changed the entire course of the show. We we took the... If this show was a blimp, and it is... Yeah. We now directed it a totally different way. We're on yeah. a totally different course. We're on a completely different course, and... I mean, it's full sail ahead. The wind is behind us. And the spirit of my great-great-grandfather, RDJ Fitzgerald, is um, watching our every move. Yeah, it's it's within us. Your grandfather's inside us right now. And his spirit is pushing us. Really just pushing away. Uh-huh. Making us yeah. feel the love for blimps. Wow. Well... Bungfuckers, it's now a blimp-based podcast. But whatever happened to the crew of the ghost blimp? Well, Bungfuckers, if you... Blimp! Sorry. Oof. Blimp flickers. I'm going to have to get used to that. Blimp flickers. Blimp blimp flippers. Blimp flimpers. If you ever find yourself floating helplessly along, hopefully it's because your nose picked up a cartoonishly enticing scent causing you to float into the air following its alluring odor. Mmm leading you safely and non-ghostly to the whole enchilada. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotus, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read. Hey there, blimp flippers, flying through the air so fancy free. Wow, Andy, you sound like my great-great-grandfather. 
I guess we've all got who a little, we love and respect. I guess we've all got a little Artie J. Fitzgerald inside of us. Welcome back, bugfuckers. That was our research of the ghost blimp. Ghost blimp. Ghost blimp. Um, hey, who are you gonna call? Ghost blimp. Ghost blimpers. Busting makes me feel good. Andy, what do you think? Has has anything changed about you with the ghost blimp? We covered this with Brent Han, John Goforth of Hysteria 51s. Um, no, not much has changed with me, to be honest. There's not a lot of new information in this case, though, yeah, to be fair. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. It's been kind of a static blimp-based. Yeah, unlike a blimp, it, is, it has remained rather still. Still, yeah. Which I guess blimps do that as well. But they have to be tethered. Oh, do they? So, um, yeah yeah I mean I think that it's a uh, none of the explanations I think 100% explain everything no this is a wild one this is definitely it feels like a scenario to me where uh, a perfect storm had to occur yeah no matter which way you slice it there's not any and hopefully you don't because that blimp's gonna fucking get <laughs> you blimps need to stay intact okay blimp flippers What's your favorite kind of aircraft? Hawk. That's not an aircraft. What a you, hard you goob. Question. You little goober. That's not an aircraft. Favorite kind of aircraft. Let's see. We got airplanes. You've got helicopters. Does it have to blimps? It does it have to be capable of supporting a human? Do kites count? Not an aircraft. A kite is not an aircraft. Come on. It's gotta be a vehicle. Yeah. Okay. Oh man. A fucking kite. Oh man, I love <laughs> fucking kite. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> I fucking pro bros this amazing question. You go, what about a kite? What the fuck? What am I working with here? I think it was a, a valid question. You said, "What's your favorite kind of aircraft?" Oh, how'd you how'd you get here? What'd you take? Did you, did you fly or did you take a fucking kite? Like, it's like, I don't know. That didn't work, but like, it's like what you just did. Imagine if you could take a kite. That'd, That'd be, be scary. Dangerous as hell. I'll um, even say a hot air balloon. Yeah. That's an aircraft. That's an aircraft. Um, I'm not going to say hang glider. That's not an aircraft. Oh. What about? Uh, I think it needs some kind of engine. Okay. Thing to propel it. Aircraft. So a sailplane, no. A lighter than aircraft. Those don't have engines? No. How do they fly? They get towed into the sky by another airplane. And then they get released. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Why would you do that? I don't know. Why would you just take the first plane that's already flying? I don't Who know. came up with that? I think you need less... You need less you know, experience and licensing to fly a sailplane. You know what's crazy about flying? Isn't flying just like you you are taking a craft, you're fucking propelling it up into the air so high, and then you're just free falling. You're just doing a controlled free fall. Yeah. So you land. Yeah. You never really think about that. You're not like actually like navigating yourself. You're just fucking falling. Yeah. Isn't that neat? Yeah. It's kind of crazy. 
all you dumb shit flat earthers out there. Flight works because the earth's not flat, you friggin' ding-dongs. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Holy fuck. Hey, go fly a fucking kite. Your favorite aircraft. That's our fucking... That's, you're going to be your fucking... You're not a flat earther. You're a kite is aircraft. Yeah, kites are aircraft. What's your favorite aircraft? Helicopter um, man, blimp guy, airplane... Get plane. Vertical takeoff and landing jets. That's my favorite. What is that? Like an Osprey? Yeah. One of these that they can like turn its propellers upwards and then go and then But yeah, but a jet. Those Uh, exist? Yeah. For a while now. You can they can lift up. Yeah. And then they're jet powered. For flight. I've never seen that. Why is that your favorite? Isn't that cool? It is cool. Well, then there you answered my question. Thank you. It is cool. Give me one dozen blimps. Because, you know, that's one thing about, like, that's one thing about... Um, well, my fucking... I better not have my great-great-grandfather hear that. Think about airplanes, though, right? Yeah. I mean, blimps is my favorite. Wink, wink. wink. <laughs> uh, but think about it this way. If you have a regular airplane, you need a lot of space to get that thing first off of the ground and then to land it, right? And if you aren't having regular airplanes, you might want to try Activia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis can make you shit an airplane. I'm sorry. Uh, what was your thing about airplanes? They need they need that space, right? Tons of space. <clears throat> but if you have a vertical, like that's one benefit that a helicopter has. Yeah, helicopters are crazy. They can they can pretty much like take off and land from anywhere mm-hmm. in a sense. Well, the, if you have a vertical jet, you combine both of those worlds. Like you get the distance and speed of a jet powered aircraft, mm-hmm. but the ability to also land and take off from a smaller space. Hmm. Think how that could revolutionize our airports. That would be kind of neat. Um, my favorite is the um, anyone with a pinup model painted on the side. Uh, I like the low altitude clone trooper transport vehicle from Star Wars. My favorite aircraft is that that one that's shaped all boxy and it's got that big laser on the front. <laughs> yeah, and then it just brings the air troopers around. Yeah. Um, I wish that had a funnier name, but it doesn't. <laughs> you can like look up Wikipedia. Wikipedia has like so much weird fucking lore. Like all all the stats of Darth Vader's suit, like what it does, like down to like this collects his urine. It's like why do I fucking need to know that? Like Red Letter Media did a whole video on it. It's probably my favorite video of theirs where they just list off all the facts of Darth Vader's suit. And it's like, how does this add? This is the fucking worst thing ever. This this makes me hate Star Wars and Darth Vader. Like, just makes it so fucking lame. Well, because you know he's pissing himself constantly. It's just like, but there's a machine that collects his urine. Yeah, like all this, like the circuitry of his voice transmodifier uses the same circuitry as a. Dr- it's like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. There is some pretty like. Uh, it's like insanity, dude. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes nerds get a little out of hand with this stuff where it's like, nobody needs to know this and it's not important. 
Um, God, I don't know. I think helicopters are neat. Who was sitting around thinking about Darth Vader pissing? What does he do for taking a shit? Us. Did that uh, come up? I don't know. Probably shits in his little back to tank. Takes aqua back to dumps. Aqua back to dumps. Whereas Lord Vader, who's taking a fat shit in his back to tank. Jesus Christ, you on cleaning duty again? Yeah. You're Lord Vader. Disgusting, stinky force shits. <laughs> this guy's taking force shits. You know what that does? Splatters it all around the rim of the bowl. He lives in a bowl. He lives in a back-to-tank bowl. He lives in a toilet bowl. He does. He lives in like a clamshell. It's like a fucking fish. Yeah. And I got to clean it out. This guy's over here taking four shits. You can't ask Lord Vader not to stop taking four shits. He could take regular dumps where the turds would just float, but no, he four shits, and all the shit's getting caked on the bowl, and who has to clean it up? Me. Me. Admiral Veers. Admiral Veers. I'm a fucking officer of the fucking Galactic Federation. Empire. Empire. Oh, fuck. Fuck. You're going to get the Star Trek fans on us now? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Ruin the whole bit. Jesus Christ. We're going to have so many so many fucking angry letters about this episode. They can't get a droid to clean the bull? He's got to make me do it? The other guy's just like, ah, geez, yeah, that's rough. Uh, anyway, I guess my coffee's done. Um... What? No, I didn't no. start making it yet. <laughs> Why did you bring this up? I didn't. I ordered a... <laughs> I ordered a venti americano <laughs> 20 minutes ago. You know, I tried to put in requests. I've talked to Grandmarth talking about it. I saw a town hall with him. I said, you know, maybe we should rethink how we utilize the droids here on the ship, you know, different things. Did you call him Grand Moth? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He uh he has a son Turns who's, out he's human. He has a son who's a moth. <laughs> and then he has moths for children. So he's the grand moth. <laughs> um, I think I like, you know what I like? You remember that old jet plane, the Concorde? Yeah. What happened? That got canceled. They don't use that anymore. Yeah, it got canceled. Uh, no, it did. Yeah, yeah, no. it. Uh, it's a neat plane. Yeah, it turns out that it tweeted some pretty racist stuff a few years ago, and the Concorde did. <laughs> got canceled. I tweeted. <laughs> uh, why did it get canceled, though? I don't know. I think it wasn't like lucrative enough. It was like a, um, it was a jet plane, right? It was the first. Yes. I don't know. It was like a, it could make the flight from New York to London in like sub four hours, I think. Mm -hmm. And that was its big claim to fame is it was just a really fast jet. You know, what's a cool looking jet too. The Blackbird. Yeah. The SR-71. That was what the X-Men used. That was a cool fucking jet. I had a toy of that jet. Yeah. Play with it. What that means. Yeah. Anal stuff. <laughs> uh, Bunkfuckers, what's your Blackbird flying into RDE's butt. <laughs> Whoa, hey, is that my great-great-grandfather? <laughs> That's your great-grandfather. Art J. McCartney. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Bunkfuckers, let us know. Great-great-grandfather in World War II. It would probably just be grandfather. Great great grandfather would be like the fucking 1700s, wouldn't it? Like, goddamn. You, you have no clue. No fucking clue. Ah, oh, great great grandfather? What was that? Like, Middle Ages? 
<laughs> well, is he hanging out with Napoleon? I bet. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> there. That was more like it. That would be great, great grandfather. No, nah, probably that's still early 1800s. Depends, I guess. He was wearing them. Yeah, he was. Grandfather, well, yeah, would be around, would have been born in 1910 and probably been around in World War II. My grandfathers were born in 1924 and then in 19, uh, wait, what year? 31? God, your family's younger. Your is younger than mine. That's so weird. And I'm so much older than you. I know. You're like 80 years old. Yeah. Strange. Um, uh, no, yeah, mine. So then great grandfather would have been probably like born in 1850. Yeah. And then great great grandfather would have been in around 1800. Why? Really? Yeah. So you're. So he's. Oh, wait. So he's born in 1800. He has a kid maybe in like 1820. So that's great-grandfather. Great-grandfather then ha is born in the 20s, 1820s, and then has a kid in the 1840s or 50s. Okay. Did you know... Maybe I'm wrong. Did you know... No. That... Probably not. U.S. President, 10th President of the United States, John Tyler. Tipper Canoe and Tyler too. Yeah, Tipper Canoe and Tyler too. Still has... I think, as of this recording, living grandchildren. Yes, I did know that. Because he had, he had, he fucked. He fucked a lot. Had a lot of kids. Wasn't a good Kept president. having children into his 70s. He was the one that like was president for like a day or something? No, that's William Henry Harrison. He was uh, president for a month and then died. Right. Uh, and then John Tyler, controversially, was just like, I'm the president now. And everyone was like, oh. Uh, I didn't like this fucking guy. Yeah. Well, it was very up in the air about whether or not he could just assume the office of presidency. The vice president could do that. Right. That was the first time that it happened. The first time the president had died in office. Yeah. Wow. So in a way, he set the trend. Trendsetter. He set the precedent for being president. Aw. Well, hey, uh, if any of the uh, ancestors, or wait, no, uh, the- Descendants. Descendants of John Tyler, the president of the United States- former president are listening to the show. And we know that you are <laughs> shout out, reach out to us, please. Right. We'd love to talk to you about airplanes. <laughs> blimps. Blimps. Um, bug fuckers, let us know what's your favorite kind of aircraft. Remember that? Um, <laughs> like airplanes, helicopters, blimps, hot air balloons, kites, not fucking kites. <laughs> God damn it. Kites. That's your first question. Do kites count? And you would pick kites. I wasn't going to pick it. <laughs> Probably. What, what about those little lanterns that people put a candle in and they can kind of float? Do those count? I need to know the parameters so I can answer the question to the oh, best of my ability. God damn it. Such a little lawyer. Fucking barrister's wig. My robes. Your robes. Your scroll and your quill. <laughs> And my ancestral home in the rural southwest. Um, I don't know, Andy. I mean, we we've kind of covered this topic before on Hysteria Fifty One. Um, this is a hard one to talk about without getting into verdicts. To be honest with you, it kind of is. 
I, I think that, though, as far as history mystery goes, I mean, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. This is a hard one. Because I really do think that um, it was a perfect storm, and it's a weird, weird scenario. You know, it's interesting that you say that, because I think I agree with you, first of all. But it's weird, then, I think as a skeptic, mm-hmm. which we are, mm-hmm. when sometimes things turn out to be just like, this perfect mixture of events right. that creates something that seems pretty unbelievable and and is like sort of hard to to stomach the explanation. Yeah. But it does happen sometimes. It does. Well, I mean, you know, here's the thing. We can get into verdicts. All right. We'll Perfectly verdicts. okay with that. So I'm going to go first. Okay. And you can shut the fuck up. Uh, I'm going to go plausible. I'm going to go highly plausible that the, what happened is that one of the guys fell out. The Adams fell out. Cody tried to rescue him. Then Cody fell out as well of the blimp. And then the blimp just sort of, they knocked stuff off it just started floating away they were powerless to stop it i think that's what happened highly plausible highly plausible fair enough andy i i just you know it's like it's the thing that makes the most sense to me yeah in the context of everything like we said already i don't think it's a perfect explanation because you do have to wonder well there were these boats that were so close mm-hmm. and these guys had life jackets on right so what happened? They weren't high enough up that it's like, oh, the life jacket's worthless. They're just like going to die as soon as they hit the water. But well, I mean, even if they died and hit the water on impact, the life jacket would still cause you to float. Well, yeah, that's true. Because if you weren't wearing body one, still you would sink. But, you know, you also have to take into consideration that the ocean's a large place. And it probably would have been a little bit choppy. Yeah. I mean, they're over the actual ocean. Yeah. Ocean. And it's hard to see a person out there in the water, you know, at a distance. I mean, I assume that these people in the boats are maybe more skilled at it than I am. They had binoculars. Yeah. But I could, I can envision a scenario where if I'm in that boat, I'm paying more attention to the blimp probably than the water below the blimp. Yeah, probably because you're looking, you're looking for it to drop depth charges because then you're like, oh shit. Okay. I should probably get the fuck away from here. Right. Yeah. I agree with you. I'm actually going to go a step further and say case confirmed. Whoa. I think, I think, whoa, Mayma. I think because the safety hatch was malfunctioning, I do think someone fell out. Okay. Yeah. 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 I do think that because there's no, that makes no sense why they wouldn't radio. There's no way that they left the water. Yeah. Whenever they got there at like seven something. Plus, plus they're spiraling. They have to bank the, 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 the blimp a little. So if you have a faulty right. hatch and you kind of forget about it because you're doing other stuff and the blimp's tilted to the side, you could just fall out of the fucking thing. Right. All of a sudden. I don't know why either he's leaning on it, either he opened the door to release those smoke bombs or whatever. I think the smoke obscured them falling. Mm-hmm. I think they fell to their deaths and died and then sank. And the life jackets wouldn't have been worth shit. There, it makes no sense as to why 
they wouldn't radio if they left that. If they followed mm-hmm. a submarine, if they continued on their way, if they did anything whatsoever, it makes absolutely no sense. They would have radioed. They would have said, oh, we didn't spot anything. Or yes, we did spot something. We're tailing it. Makes no sense. Yeah. They would have had to have radio. These, these guys were not fucking schlubs. Now, me and you, it'd be like, oh, fuck, did you radio? And you'd be like, oh, I didn't know we had a radio. I'd How do like, we use the radio? I'd be like, ah, oh, fuck, all right, we'll, we'll do that sometime this week. We'll radio, I promise. And then a couple of weeks go by, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, fuck, we forgot to radio. We, we should really do that. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of posters with our faces up all over town. We should probably radio it at some point. And I think you're right. I think I think that the ships would have been watching the blimp and not necessarily the ocean. And you know what? I don't really know how close the one ships are to where the blimp is at. Maybe they couldn't hear a splash. Yeah. How loud is a splash? I don't know. If a splash falls in the ocean and no one's around to fucking hear it, does it really make a sound? What's the sound of one wave splashing? Well, Bugbuggers, those are our verdicts. Let us know what you think about the ghost blimp. And please, tell us everything you ever want to hear about blimps. We're only talking about blimps from now on. Your favorite aircraft better be a blimp. Better be. Uh, Use the hashtag. RDJ Fitzgerald. My great-great-grandfather, RDJ Fitzgerald. Famous. Maybe not to you, but to me. 1940s big band singer. RDJ Fitzgerald. Great songs. Um, let us know what you think. Uh, email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at mrbunkerpod. Uh, fucking uh, find us on YouTube, Mr. Bunker Pod. And if you feel so inclined, you have the means to do so, join the Patreon, patreon.com slash mrbunkerpod for just five bucks a month to get access to the Bunker Discord or a dollar. You get access to the Bunker Discord. Yeah. You can still have access to the Bunker Discord. Yeah. It's for a dollar. For a buck. You can try it before you buy it. Check one, it out. One smackerino. Spend a dollar one month. We'll make you holler. Join the Discord. Be like, hey, is this kind of worth it? Like, what do people do? Is there actually people in the Discord? There are. Uh, and then and then you can decide to upgrade or not if you want. There or- are there are real people in the Discord. And trust <laughs> us, it's not all bots because the one bot that's in there is <laughs> the malfunctioning. bot doesn't work. If you join the Discord, there's some Discord lore you're going to have to get caught up on. Right. One of the pieces of Discord lore is that the bot doesn't work. <laughs> Come to the meme channel and read all the messages there and that's, you'll figure it out. That's right. There's a lot of fun stuff there. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, come to, come, come to the Patreon, behind-the-scenes content. Come to hour. the Patreon. A uh, lot of great stuff there. Andy, anything else you want to talk about? Obviously, you want to talk about blimps, but anything else besides blimps? No, I just really want to go on a little bit of a grandstand here and talk about how great blimps are. I mean, when you really think about it, blimps could probably revolutionize air travel mm-hmm. in this country and indeed all over the world. Because one thing that's true about blimps yeah. is that um, they use a lot less fuel oh. than your regular aircraft. It's a little bit more of a civilized way to travel. Oh. Uh, it's also fun to point out that blimps don't move that fast. So they don't it makes for you to slow down and take your time a little bit and enjoy things like they used to be. That's nice. That's lovely, Andy. Uh, that's a great sentiment. Well, for not the titular Mr. Bunker or the titular Mr. Blimpy. Blimper. Blimper. 
uh, but for my Allura file. But like I'm obsessed with alluring things. My Allura file. Oh, Danny Hart. I'm Art Stone saying that was the whole enchilada. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional Book, book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy, happy reading! reading.